Welcome to the Invest Like a Boss podcast. I'm Sam Martz. And I'm Johnny FD. We're self-made entrepreneurs who invest our own money and use modern technology to invest like a boss. Join us each week for exclusive interviews with our network of modern investors, business owners, and multimillionaires to discover new ways to invest our hard-earned cash. Everyone, welcome back to another episode of Invest Like a Boss. This is episode 23, and I'm back with my co-host, Johnny FD. What's up, Sam? I'm back in Chiang Mai, uh, missing Europe a little bit. Because you're out where? In Vienna, in Austria? I'm in Austria, yeah. yeah. Uh, Graz, actually. Never heard of it, but that's where it ended up last night. So, um, while Europe is missing you, I miss, miss traveling with you. We had some a very uh, interesting trip through some countries I never thought we'd ever visit. Yeah, I, I did a count of how many countries I, I went through in the last couple of weeks, and it was something like 14, which is insane. Well, that's incredible. So you're, you're going to be on your path to 100 pretty quickly after after that little summer uh, vacation. <laughs> yeah, and it's been fun because I, I did some math, and even though I spent a ton more money traveling in Europe than I would kind of bootstrapping my normal life in mm-hmm. Chiang Mai, all of that was paid for just through passive income. Fancy, that's amazing, man. What like I'm interested in your in your cruise expenses because some sometimes those things can actually be very affordable if if you don't go crazy once you're on the boat, right? Yeah, and the funny thing is, the, on the boat, people spend a lot of money, uh, and it's because they're trapped and there's nowhere else to buy anything. You can't price compare. Mm-hmm. You can't you can't go on your phone and see how much it would cost somewhere else in a store because you, you don't have internet. Or if you want to pay for internet, it's $300 for a Wi-Fi package. It's It doesn't make any sense. It's, I guess it's just because you're a captive audience and there's no options. But I think the cruise lines would pull such a, a more professional audience. People that I know a lot of people that would stay months and months on cruise boats if they could get decent internet. But right now, it's just it's not an option anywhere in the world that I've found. Yeah, so hopefully one of the younger cruise lines like Carnival, they might kind of get it. I know they have a $5 social media package now where pretty much 100% of people sign up for because it just gives you access to like Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, Mm -hmm. which connects people enough where, you know, they're, they're fine doing that. Then if you want to use like email and things like that, it's 10 bucks a day, which is still, it's fine. You know, like I'll pay that, but to pay $299 $299 to use the internet on celebrity. It was, it was ridiculous. Yeah. And then you just end up at the customer service line right after the cruise is over complaining because even though you paid the $300, the internet only worked like one out of 20 minutes and it's not even fast enough to download your emails and stuff. So well, actually, it's, surprised, just, it's a nightmare. Surprisingly, uh, celebrity stepped it up. They actually have really good, like, fast service now. So at least they have that part of it, but it, it's still just, it's just too expensive. Um, yeah. And the other things people spend money on is alcohol is $10 a drink and there's nothing to do on the boat. So you end up just drinking all the time. Uh, they try to upgrade you to these specialty restaurants, even though the whole point of going on a cruise is that all the food is included. <laughs> and all you know, and then I'm, and then there's like these shopping deals on things that I never would have, I would never buy normally. But because you're on a cruise, you're just like, oh, well, I have nothing to do. Let's go shopping and let's see what kind of deals they have. Yeah, it's uh, they're getting a little too clever with all their their upgrades and expenses. But do you have any idea how much you ended up spending overall on the cruise? Was it like so, 14 days or something? Yeah, it was 12 days. And I, I had two options. I could either get my own room, which would have been $4,500, which, which is quite a bit. Or for 1500 literally a third of the price, I can share a room with my parents who were going anyways. So I mm-hmm. just ended up doing that because I figured out, you know, the whole point of the cruise is to spend time with them. Yeah. And if it was just me, I wouldn't have spent any more money because, you know, I was pretty smart about it. But uh, my our room bill ended up being 275 bucks because my mom was, you know, buying stuff. <laughs> Yeah. 
and I paid for it just because I, I was being nice. Good lad, good lad. So you're back in Chiang Mai. I'm in Europe for another uh, 10 days, and then I'm going back to the States. What's your plan for the rest of the year? Are you going to be in, in Asia? I'm actually going to be in the U.S. in a few weeks. We might be able to meet up somewhere. Uh, I'm going to L.A. for a few days just to catch up with some my cousin and some other friends. And then I'm going to Hawaii for the job shopping retreat in the uh, yeah. end of October. Yeah. Nice. Cool. Well, we won't meet up, but um, I'll live vicariously through you in Hawaii, a place I've always wanted to visit and haven't got there yet. Well, just a plane right away. <laughs> <laughs> I've had enough traveling for the next two years, I think. So anyways, we've had a lot of guests on that have been t- not guests on the show, but people in the boss lounge and other people emailing us wanting to know how to get from essentially zero to one, uh, how to get started on the internet. And while all this investing stuff is great, a lot of things that we talk about are investing in yourself for the for the big returns and, and to, to grow your own independence. And I think that's, you know, you probably are one of the best people in the world in terms of interviewing and, and hearing the story for on that subject. And I know we have a lot of people coming up in the next couple of weeks that are also going to share their story of how they got from zero to, to self-made. And I think these are really inspiring pl- things. And, and I'm really excited to hear your story. Yeah, I know you know some of it already. And most people listening, if you've read my blog, you might know some of the story. But I think I'm going to really dive deep and share parts of it that maybe I don't talk about normally. Because I, I think those are the, the big reasons why I am where I am today. Yeah. And, and you know, it's funny. Like, I heard your story, even though we, we were friends and knew each other for quite a bit of time before Nomad Summit. That was the first time I ever really heard you speak or, or got a, a basis for what you did. And I think vice versa as well, right? Um, and there's so many people that we know that are doing well. They've created passive income streams by themselves, gone from zero to one. But we don't really know like their deep, deep story, right, of how they got started. And that, I think, is very inspirational and and things that we need to explore. So no one better to kick it off than Johnny FD himself. I like it. And speaking of the the Nomad Summit speech, I'll have uh, Anthony, our podcast engineer, uh, Mm-hmm. embed the video into the show notes of this show so you can you can see my my talk there on how you guys can get started as well the talk was on mvp which is a minimal mm-hmm. viable product yo actually that's a good point so now that we just mentioned nomad summit you're are you planning another one for this year coming up yep it's going to be february 4th 2017 in Chiang Mai. so if you guys want to come out for that we're going to have a lot of great speakers including myself <laughs> unfortunately sam's going to be out of the country we're going to drop some knowledge bombs for you guys you guys can meet a ton of other digital nomads and entrepreneurs uh the goal for this year is going to be to double the size so instead of having 200 people we want to have let's just say 500 let's double one and a half that and you know what? Honestly, 200 last year, I think if you just say 200, the number doesn't seem that big. But that place was packed and rammed full of energy. Like I, I honestly felt there was a thousand people or more there just because it, it was crazy and all the after events and everything. It seemed like Chiang Mai was totally overrun. And, and I would also just encourage other people that are considering going. It's not all about just being a nomad. I think almost all of the speech uh, speakers last year were specifically about building a business or building some type of passive income stream or or etc. So there was there was huge value bombs dropped all all through last last uh, conference and I can only imagine this one's going to be exceptional because everyone loved last year. Yep, this is going to be great. So nomadsummit.com, you guys can check that out. But to kind of dive in just straight away on how I went from, you know, basically being a normal college kid, uh, having normal jobs, never making that much money. You know, my, I actually 
during the cruise, I asked my parents how much money uh, they've made in their life. And mm. it was something crazy. Like, I don't think, I think they said it's something, it was less than $2,000 a month. It was like the, the most they've ever made. Mm-hmm. And now there's, I think there's some days I make that in a day, which is insane. And this is through passive income without, you know, having to wake up at five in the morning to drive two hours to work, which my dad did for a while because the, the company had moved and he couldn't afford to, we couldn't afford to relocate, uh, you know, without standing on, you know, my feet for 10 mm-hmm. hours a day, like my mom did when she was a waitress. So it's, I think part of it actually, let's kind of kick it off is a lot of the reason why I'm successful today and I have the money in the bank I have today to invest is because of the values they, they taught me on how to save, you know, how to, I don't want to say just be frugal, but also how to, you know, kind of wisely spend my money. Nice. And was there a component of that that also drove you because you saw how hard your parents worked and you know they they were obviously hard workers and hustlers but they also worked hard for to be basically middle lower class, right? Yeah. It was I mean, I think the the middle class term is even a dream like we assumed mm-hmm. we were middle class, but if you really just look at the math, you know, we were definitely lower class. Um mm-hmm. And I, I always saw my dad work extremely hard and he was so loyal to his company and he, it never really brought him any success. So from day one, I never wanted to work hard. I wanted to work smart. And that was actually a little bit of a, a downfall for me because I refused to work hard at all. Uh, and I just kept <laughs> looking for shortcuts and I ended up spending, you know, years of my life chasing, chasing shortcuts when mm. in reality, I think the, the magic formula is to, find a smart path and then work hard once you're on it. And that way you're not kind of just grinding your gears. You're not working hard forever. You're just working hard for, you know, two months at a time or six months at a time. Right. Yeah. So were there some shortcuts that you took early on that were like definite failures and just totally backfired on you? Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, you know, I spent years looking for something easy, like an overnight success or, you know, even just looking for ways to why it wasn't for me, you know, basically giving myself excuses, right? You know, and instead of just kind of just chasing after after what I wanted. Um, and it wasn't until I finally just decided to just choose one thing and just go with it. And th- until it's done, you know, that's when I started seeing little bits of success, not really, not realizing that these small successes kind of like multiply to bigger. So to kind of start over, even before making the money, I really have to kind of stress that if it wasn't for the mindset of being able to save and, and live as cheap as possible, it wouldn't have mattered because technically I made a lot of money, you know, right out of college. You know, I made $48,000 a year, which is a decent amount of money for, you know, a kid in his 20s. You know, I think yeah. the the starting salary for, for a lot of Americans are is like 28000 a year or something. But it didn't matter because I spent all of it. You know, I didn't have any savings. And even if that had grown, even if I had somehow grown that to six figures, I, I know that living that lifestyle is living in California. I wouldn't have saved any of it. So I wouldn't have been able to invest in any of it anyways. So it's not about just making more money. It's about making it, you know, having extra income to, to save to save and invest uh, and buying assets and not buying liabilities. Nice. And you mentioned you made 48K. And, but I think a, a good thing to mention is that you're in California, right? So a lot of, like I'm from Florida. So a lot of people take state income tax or rather not having state income tax for granted being from Florida or Texas or a handful of other states. But in California, you have state income tax. So you're paying an extra like what, seven or 8% each year just in, to state taxes. 
Yeah, exactly. So to kind of give people an example of what my take home actually was, it was a little bit less than th- I think it was around three thousand dollars a month. So forty eight thousand sounds like a lot, but you know the actual take home was three grand. My rent was a thousand fifty. My so, utilities was you know another hundred or hundred fifty bucks. My Netflix mm-hmm. bill, my groceries, <laughs> my you know uh, cell phone bill. If you add all that up, the car you know the car payment, the gas, the maintenance. Mm-hmm. I literally had. $200 a month left over if I was lucky. If I was able to save $200 a month, I, I was I considered that a good month. And and what year was this and what what was the job? So this was around 2005 to 2008 around those years and I worked for Honeywell. Uh it's a security company. They they're, you know, pretty big company that mm-hmm. they, they do a bunch of things, but I was in charge of selling security systems, fire alarm systems, and uh, CCTV camera systems to big companies. So one of my biggest co- actual clients was Blizzard Entertainment, who mm-hmm. makes like World of Warcraft. So I got to see oh, them cool. kind of expand and grow. I got to you know set them up with like card key access for the new employees mm-hmm. and their camera systems to make sure people weren't going to like top secret rooms, things like that. That's pretty cool. That's an interesting job. So was, you got sales experience pretty much right out of right out of college then. Yeah, actually. So even before that, I worked for Good Guys and then Best Buy, which are both uh, electronic stores. Good Guys is now bankrupt, and I have a feeling Best Buy is going to go bankrupt soon. <laughs> Dude, do you have a do you have a photo of you in your blue Best Buy shirt back in the day? Oh, if you know, if I can find one, I'll put it in this in the show oh, notes because that'd be great. That'd be so so good, so good. That's cool. So you had retail, like all this experience building up. You had retail, you had sales, you had sales. So you knew how to, and like your parents were also like hustlers. So you kind of had, you already had the hustle spirit like in you by by the time you got out of college, I think. Yeah, a little bit, but I was, I had the spirit, but I was lazy. I, and mm-hmm. I was also very pessimistic on what would work. I, I kind of assumed that most businesses would not work for me or, you know, there was a reason why it was, you know, Either something right. not for me, I didn't have the skills for it, that it was a scam or something, you know? And I just didn't have that abundance mentality of knowing that I can make anything work. So then what changed your outlook? I think it was desperation, to be honest. Um, <laughs> so the first kind of big part of my life that, that was after the normal 9 to 5, the normal well, 8 to 5 college mm-hmm. life was moving to Thailand to pursue scuba diving. So for those four years, I was working as a dive master and then also training Muay Thai and having a couple pro fights. And during those four years, my goal was to make less than the minimum uh, where I didn't even have to file taxes. <laughs> it's funny how goals in life change. <laughs> yeah. and, but that's cr- that's crazy. Yeah. Hold on. So that was four years. Like I, I feel like I've known you for a decade, and and I just totally forget. You know these huge important facts about you. So you're living in Thailand for four years, training Muay Thai and pursuing a dive master degree, uh, certification. Yeah, that was from 2008 to about 2012 or even 2013 even. And mm-hmm. I, I wrote all about that. So if you guys want to know more about that part of it, it, I wrote a book called 12 Weeks in Thailand, The Good Life on the Cheap. And it's all about how to live and travel for free, you know, to be able to, to stay at, con- you know, at resorts and just work for mm-hmm. them. And it was, you know, I think it was an important part of my life. Uh, what I learned from it that kind of helps me today is how to bootstrap. So my, my budget was 600 bucks a month when I was doing all these things. So I was able to figure out, you know, how to save money, how to not to, to spend extra, to be able to find cheap accommodation mm-hmm. and just kind of get by being minimalistic. Yeah. And, and this, so this was money you're making. It wasn't, you weren't living off savings at this point. You were actually 
actually making like $600 a, a month somehow? Uh, so it, it would vary. Uh, some of the jobs I had would pay literally zero, but I would get free room and board uh, at this dive resort. And then some places would pay me, like, let's say, up to $1,000 a month. Um, and I would just save all that. So it, it really varied. And, and I even went back to the U.S. to work for some summers and do some odd odd gigs mm-hmm. but yeah it, it was you know it was it was bootstrapping the whole way yeah i didn't have a, a chance to meet you you know back when you were in college or know who you were before but i feel like a lot of 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 what you went through during those four years has built your character today because i mean today you're you're such a friendly appreciative outgoing guy and i, I feel like that that experience of, of living you know living in thailand of course Everyone loves Thailand, the Thai people, but living on little like that and having to work, you know, to uh, to live on a shoestring um, may have may have like rounded you to be this this really appreciative, like, you know, outgoing, friendly guy that you are today. Yeah, definitely. So I highly encourage everyone, you know, even before you start thinking that you want to make a lot of money or be able to invest, you know, ask yourself, like, do I need to do it now or can I just do it in a few years? Because mm-hmm. as long as you're doing something to in- invest in yourself, whether it's through life experience or growing a business, it's it's all beneficial. You know, if if you're in your young, early 20s, you know, or you're you know, just out of college or something and you want to just take a year or two years off to do something that you love doing, whether it's rock climbing around the world or uh, scuba diving or being a ski instructor, just do it because I guarantee you're going to learn something from it. It's going to be able to, it's going to kind of ground you for the rest of your life. The biggest warning I have for people, and this is actually, I would say the biggest lesson I, I took from working, uh, at these dive shops is I never wanted to be that 50 year old guy who was bitter and just unhappy all the time but was stuck because that was the only skill that they had. They, they didn't mm-hmm. want to go back home to England or to us, wherever they're from. Uh, they might have a Thai wife and a baby now, but they're broke. Mm-hmm. You know, they're still making mm-hmm. 600 bucks a month or a thousand dollars a month and they can't afford to live anywhere else besides Thailand. So they, mm-hmm. you know, they become jaded and I never wanted to be that guy. Yeah. I think that's a pretty easy trap to fall into depending on, on which crowds you hang around and, and what your activities are. So, it's a uh, it's a good lesson, man. I was, you know, when I was in the UK, I was always like, you know what? If this fails, I'm just going to move to Thailand and be a taxi driver. And I didn't know anyone that was living like you were living off six hundred dollars a month. But I was just like, you know, you could probably live as nice of a lifestyle on six hundred dollars a month there as you could in, you know, anywhere in the West for for what you were making before, like you know, four or three, four or three, four grand a month. Yeah, definitely. Because I mean. My place, so the apartment I had back in California, you know, it wasn't that nice. You know, I had mm-hmm. furniture that I would buy secondhand sometimes just because it, it was too expensive to buy, you know, something from Ethan Allen new or something. Um, you couldn't really, up, you know, you couldn't afford to upgrade your car all the time. So, you know, you're buying a secondhand car. It's, you're not like, you, you're not balling out. And the people that wore, most of them couldn't afford it. Most of them, you know, had a, you know, a car that was either on a 60 month payment or something, uh, or their parents had chipped in for it. They're living in a house that they probably can't afford or they're, you know, it's, it's a huge liability. They're going out spending money, you know, on new clothes or, you know, you know, basically everything's on payment plan. Everything's on the credit card. And I still have friends today that still have 20 grand debt on their credit cards because they had lived that lifestyle. And they're, and they're probably <laughs> defaulting on their loan through, um, lending tree. And on one of the, on one of the loans that we've extended them, a lending club. <laughs> 
Yeah, and and it sucks, you know. And I and I see that from the outside. I'm thinking, like, man, you know, what are they doing? Like, why are they why why do they keep chasing this cycle? And I think mm-hmm. it's because when you're in that deep and everyone else is doing it, it just seems normal. And and you almost feel like, oh well, you know, they're giving me this credit. I might as well just take it. Or like everyone else my age has a house that is decorated like the catalog of Ethan Allen. Yeah. Why, you know, shouldn't my place look like this as well? Yeah, man. I think it's a big component too of being uh, most people will choose comfort over uncertainty and using an extreme example of what you did which went from you know a comfortable paycheck to total uncertainty moving to thailand and not knowing how you're going to get by i think so many people would aspire to do something like that if nothing else maybe not for a long time but just to have you know that chapter in their life but just the uncertainty of what happens when i quit my job what happens when i come back to you know australia us uk and try to get a job again after having that you know that 18 month break um, what's going to happen when I'm over there? How am I going to make money? Like that whole uncertainty is just enough to, to turn people away from even thinking about doing it. I would say that the biggest thing that helped me with, with that uncertainty is reading a chapter in the four hour work week where he basically said, if everything messes up, if you're completely wrong and you had to come back crawling on your hands and knees with your tail between your legs, how long would it take for you to get your life back to exactly where it was mm-hmm. and i you know really thought about it and i actually wrote it down i wrote okay i need a new apartment i need all new furniture and new kitchen supplies and new bathroom supplies and new clothes i need to get another car i need another job i need you know xyz and i i thought how would i even manage this if i had nothing coming back mm-hmm. and luckily what i have is i have good relationships and you know it's not luck it's it's I think Build relationships those. are free. You know, you build these things. Um, you know, you don't screw anyone over. You know, you, you, you're a genuine person. You're kind. You're appreciative. You're respectful. And by being that way, I know 100% I'll always have a, a couch to sleep on. Or I'll always have a spare bedroom to, to go back to. Even if everything, mm-hmm. you know, went to, to zero, I know 100% I have a list of friends around the world, uh, especially back home in the US I grew up with, that would happily take me in. And I know that because I know they, they know that I'd be the type where I would be appreciative, number one, that I would do things like, you know, I would make sure I clean, <laughs> cleaned up after myself, which doesn't sound like that big of a deal, but mm-hmm. the last thing you want a house guest to do is make your life miserable. Yeah. Uh, and the fact is, the reason why a lot of people in the U.S. especially, but uh, I would imagine around the world, is that they're not welcome, that they become homeless, is because they burn all their bridges. You know, I guarantee every single person had at least one or two friends or family members that had taken them in, but they burned mm-hmm. that bridge. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, that's, that's a good lesson, too. Like, when you sleep at somebody's house, make the bed. You're going to leave in very good grace with that, whoever it is. It doesn't matter if it's an Airbnb host or if it's uh, your friend or family or what else. So you went to the U- U- uh, to Thailand. You're living six uh, off six hundred dollars a month for almost four years. <laughs> yeah, it sounds crazy when I, when I think it's, about it. It's fucking crazy, but... man. But it's awesome. But yeah. that like at, after that point, you're like, you know what? If I can do this, like you know, it gives you the confidence to take more chances, right? Like you take a chance to 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 build a business, you fail. You're like, okay, I can go home to the U.S. and sleep on anyone's couch, or I can continue living this lifestyle. I've already done it for four years. Yeah, definitely. So I knew that, you know, if I had to, I, you know, I didn't have an ego anymore. I didn't have, um, 
I, you know, I didn't have this sense of entitlement. So I knew if I had to go sleep on a friend's couch and I had to do his, uh, his laundry and wash his dishes and, you know, mop the floor to kind of keep, earn my stay, I would do that for as long as it takes for me to get another job and, and start over again. So I knew that was an, always an option. And I knew like, you know, what? Who, who cares? You know, it's three months of your life of, of, you know, living below your means mm-hmm. as a, as like the, the biggest possible downside to you trying to go for your dreams and, and messing up. If anything, I guarantee if you went to a place like Thailand, it doesn't have to be Thailand, obviously, but if you went somewhere and even though, you know, after six months or a year, you ran out of savings, whatever your dream was failed, you're going to go back a completely different person. And I guarantee on your deathbed, mm. you're not going to regret going to Thailand for a year. You, you know, you would have regretted not going. Oh, definitely. Oh, so many good times we've had in Asia and Thailand specifically. We can't, can't imagine uh, not having that chapter. And you're still there. <laughs> you're yeah. you're almost, almost a decade in. Yeah. It, I should probably start learning the language by now. <laughs> <laughs> no, that would be like too much. Then then you start becoming like that bitter old man. That, and now you know Thai and it's like doubly, doubly bad. <laughs> yeah. So, okay. So, so, so. Go ahead. I was gonna okay. say how. So how'd you how'd you how'd you break into the to the you know what inspired you to to change that lifestyle? It seemed like you're after four years you're almost like comfortable in the wearing those shoes, right? Yeah. So it was definitely comfortable doing it. But here's the problem: is you know you turn thirty, and I don't know what it is about that number, but you start thinking, okay, now I'm really an adult. I have to kind of get my life together, and. I was getting a little bit tired of sharing a room with, you know, the other dive instructors, uh, not having my own privacy, um, you know, not being able to, to see more than the, you know, like the cheapest mm-hmm. places in Thailand or, um, not be able to travel anywhere else. You know, like I had friends who started going to like Europe and I, I just wasn't able to afford it. And I would lie to myself and say, Oh, I don't really want to go anyways. But in reality, you know, you do, right? And with scuba diving, it came to a point where, even though I, I still love it today, I was getting very close to a point where I would wake up some days and just not want to do it either because I had an ear infection from, you know, from the, the, the warm tropical water. Uh, I was, I had a cold from sleeping in the, in the AC mm-hmm. or uh, whatever it was. And you still have to work. You still have to wake up at seven in the morning, six in the morning and take people out diving and they are on vacation. They're enjoying, you know, the time of their life. Mm-hmm. And even though my life, I would say was still better than most of them because they had to go back to a job they didn't like that I, I knew that there was going to be a balance where, you know, what if I could have it all? What if I could have enough money to go as a guest and just enjoy it and not have, not have mm-hmm. to carry the equipment back and forth or, you know, wash up and clean up after other people, but be able to still kind of enjoy my life being in Thailand. And I knew that was the ultimate goal. You know, that was if I can afford, if I can have some kind of location-independent job where I can make money online. And I knew it was possible. I just didn't know how to do it. Uh, I, you know, I've, I've seen, you know, <laughs> online or in articles on like Business Insider or Forbes that people do mm-hmm. it. So I knew it was possible. I just didn't know how to do it myself. And, you know, I had decided at that, that time, you know, it, this is it. Like, I, I'm either going to start going to these dive resorts as a guest or I'm just going to stop diving because it's, I, my body's just getting wrecked. Um, I'm not recovering, uh, anymore. I'm not enjoying anymore. And I think that's a big takeaway is, you know, with pretty much everything that you do, you, you'll have a period where you really enjoy it. And then if you continue to enjoy and you, t- you continue to learn and grow, just keep doing it. But if a day ever comes where you're just, you feel stuck and you're just doing it because you have to, because you have to pay bills or you don't know what else to do, mm-hmm. take a chance. 
chance and just just move off. Yeah, and I think it's important to remember uh, timelines too, because the internet has enabled a lot of these things that we're talking about from investments, but especially lifestyle design, and you know, being able to become a digital nomad or live anywhere and work anywhere. It's you know, most of that, most of those jobs and professions have been enabled by the internet. And so if this is if we're talking like 2011, 2012 for you, there is a lot of people that are starting to emerge into this into this new trend of of digital nomads, but there's still not a lot of people practicing, right? Like Tim Ferriss's book came out in what year? Two late 2000, uh, 2007, 8 or before? I think it was around there, maybe even 2009. Yeah, so I mean, but even when he wrote the book, there was not a lot of people practicing it. There was a, maybe a lot of people getting into drop shipping or affiliate marketing, but most people are living like where they grew up and doing it. They're not. They're not living in exotic lands, because also the internet and Wi-Fi connect connections were, you know, s- still becoming much better at that time. But you know, I'm in, I'm in Austria now, a very developed country, and it, it's hard to find, you know, a good good internet connection. Like it would make it very difficult to live in a lot of these areas um, if you needed the internet. So. You're in like say 2012. You're starting to get your head around these things. You knew that it was possible to make money online, but you weren't you weren't really sure how to how to pursue it, right? Yeah, exactly. So actually, now thinking back, I think the book came out in 2007 because I read it in 2008 on my first trip to Thailand, and mm-hmm. I s- completely skipped the chapters or you know skipped through the chapters about making money because I didn't have the mindset of being an entrepreneur or that it was possible for me to make money you know I remember mm-hmm. the French you know the French um, sailor shirt example we gave and I was like oh, I can't do that you know and ironically it was a it was a drop shipping <laughs> store which I, I read plenty of now but mm-hmm. I think at the time I just didn't have the mentality of thinking oh that's you know of that being possible for me but what I did take right. from it is the elimination uh sections as well as the automation sections and i know that even though bill pay now is is super common you know we all pay our bills online back then in 2008 when i first came most bills are still paid through the mail and check and mm-hmm. if it, and if it wasn't for that chapter i, I never would have forced myself to figure out how to automate everything including my bill pay so i can i can be out of the u.s and be able to live virtually yeah um, man jeez dude totally forget about that like that that is not something that I've totally forgotten about today. But back then, say 2008, 2009, that was a big barrier from being able to even move overseas for even like five months or something. Yeah, exactly. Like you have to figure out <laughs> systems. And now all my, all my mail is scanned. Uh, everything, you know, emailed me in a PDF. All my, you know, everything is online. It, it's it's mm. really, people really have no excuse nowadays. Amazing. So that, so you read the book and then th- that was inspirational for you. What was, you know, where do you go from, from quitting be- as a dive master to? Yeah. So while I was, I was working as a dive master uh, and a scuba instructor, I was also doing Muay Thai. Uh, so I was kind of pursuing my, my, my side career as a professional fighter. And it never really got that far, but it was, I learned a ton of lessons from that as well. I, th- I think one of the reasons why I'm not afraid of challenges anymore, uh, you know, whether it's business challenges, learning something new or cold calling someone or, you know, or, you know, mm-hmm. or going into a meeting is because I've stepped into the ring with these killers. <laughs> they, you know, that wanted to like knock my head off. And <laughs> if you can train yourself to stay calm, uh, and just know that, you know, the training you've put in, the heart that you have, the confidence you have in yourself is able, you know, is going to allow you to either win or at least stay alive in a ring. Mm-hmm. You know, you can, it makes it so much easier to do anything else. 
Yeah, I think once you've been punched in the nose a few times, it takes the it takes the this, the stress out of a lot of situations. <laughs> yeah, you, and, and if anyone doesn't want to get hit in the face, there are other things that you can do to challenge yourself and kind of give yourself that same confidence. Uh, one would be to learn Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, you know, where you can go full force and try to kill each other without having any permanent injuries afterwards or any nosebleeds. Mm-hmm. Uh, the second is to do something like a Tough Mudder race. Have you, have you ever done something like that? Nah, I've, I've signed up for two and, and not even showed up for it. <laughs> well, if you we ever sign up for another one, let's actually do it. Because I, I actually learned a ton from that where, you know, it's if you guys aren't familiar with it, it's kind of like running a half marathon, but with obstacles mm-hmm. every every half mile where you might, you might have to do like monkey bars or crawl under barbed wire or run through fire or something. And, I, you know, if you can train for that and you can commit to it and actually accomplish it, it, it's, it really changes you as a person. Oh, Sing, Singha does one in Shanghai every year. And I signed up with a group. We went there. We trained in Shanghai for like four days before. And then the day, the day of, you know, the race uh, was there and it was so hot that I'm just like, there's no way I'm doing it. And I just didn't do it. <laughs> Yeah, I, I wouldn't want to run in the heat either. It's it's a bit bad, but luckily I did them in um in colder areas in, in the US. Mm. So mm-hmm. when I first, you know, basically stopped doing Muay Thai, stopped doing scuba diving completely, I was actually still living at this Muay Thai camp. Uh I had decided I don't want to fight anymore. I ha- I think I had six com- you know professional fights and even though I had won four of them, the the two that I lost, it was you know, it was devastating. I'm thinking I'm like exhausted from it, I'm beat up, my body just, you know, is just destroyed. And I thought, this is you know, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna be a pro fighter, I'm not gonna join the UFC or anything. I'm I'm in my thirties, I'm not I'm not that great. Uh let me kind of walk away before I have any serious injuries, but I need to do something. You know, what can I, what can I share? What skills do I have? And at the time I had been blogging just for fun. You know, I've, I've had blogs my whole life. I probably had mm-hmm. 10 different blogs in my life. Um, and most of them I've never made any money from. It was just because I enjoyed doing it. From my college days, I had a Zanga and I had, you know, blogs about self development. I had a blog about, the restaurants on Koh Tao, which is this little tiny island in Thailand, mm. that actually got shut down by the mafia because I wrote a bad review on one of their um the, one of the restaurants. Wow! And, yeah, that's nuts. Uh, and well, then I had, uh, lucky, yeah. you're lucky. That's all that happened to you. They're pretty wild over there. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so um, then there was the Muay Thai blog, which is still up now, uh, myfightcamp.com, but I don't update it. And on there, you know, I had documented the cost of living. Uh, in Thailand, how, you know, the best gyms on, on, in the country, um, you know, some tips and tips and tricks on, on, you know, how to live cheaply while training Muay Thai. And I realized it had a lot of value. You know, there's a ton of, of viewers and, um, a lot of people were kind of just thanking me for, for supplying the info for them to also come out and do Muay Thai. And mm-hmm. I decided, Hey, you know, why can't I just repackage this into a book, an ebook? Cause I knew that was one of the ways that people would make money online. And even though I had never done it before, I, I never knew anyone who's done it. I figured how hard could it be? And I was very lucky that, you know, Amazon Kindle was getting popular then. So I just, you know, I, I published it as an ebook. So started selling it on Kindle. And I started making my first couple hundred bucks a month. That's that's amazing. So hold on, the the ebook. Like, how'd you figure out how to publish? How'd you figure out how to take your web content and publish it as an ebook to Kindle? So all that was, you know, really just puzzling myself, trying to figure these things out. I would just, you know, Google around um, how to, you know, how to create a PDF and how to 
take mm-hmm. that PDF into a Kindle format and how to, you know, how to make a cover, how to do this, how to do that. Mm-hmm. And it was all self-made. I, I remember my first cover, you know, I had made myself in, you know, like the equivalent of MS Paint. It was a terrible cover. Mm-hmm. Um, and everything was just done myself. I, I didn't even proofread it because I didn't have the time or money to hire someone to, you know, to go through it. I didn't even know if anyone, anyone would. Mm-hmm. Uh, and actually throughout the process, most of the book is actually newly written. It was, I originally had the idea of just taking all the blog content and copy and pasting and into a format where it read like a book. But I think I ended up rewriting 90% of it anyways, kind of throughout the process. Mm-hmm. And it was, it was hard because you're doing something that you don't know if it's ever going to make you any money. There was no one else doing it with me. I was literally just in my room in the middle of nowhere. It was, it was technically part of, Chiang Mai, but it was past Hangdong, which is like 30 minutes away. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and <laughs> I didn't have a motorbike because I couldn't afford it. <laughs> so I had never come into Chiang Mai, into the city. I, I was just wow. in this little village. Wow. Yeah. I remember the one time I'd come in, I had to take two, I had to take a, um, a yellow, like, tuk tuk and then a red one. And I, and I got to transfer. And it took me like two hours to get in. Yeah, and it's not easy if you don't know if you don't know how to speak Thai either. Yeah, and you know, I at some points people didn't want to take me back there because it was too far, and I couldn't afford more than twenty baht, which is like thirty cents. Oh man, <laughs> sixty cents. Yeah, <laughs> I don't mean to laugh at your frugality, but this is great. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so I was sitting there. And just kind of watching people train out the window. Because I think I was injured at the time. I had my, la- my, my last fight and I had broken mm-hmm. some small bones in my foot. So I couldn't train. And I just kind of felt lost. You know, I was like really inflamed from all the injuries and just mm-hmm. having a, a really bad diet. Um, I, I couldn't do Muay Thai anymore. And I didn't want to, you know, I didn't want to anymore. But I'm just at this gym where, I, you know, that's all people are doing. That's all people talk about. And I'm watching yeah. them out the window. And I'm just typing on this, you know, old laptop I had. And I put it together. It took me about two months to write the whole book, um, get it up on my site. At first as an ebook, uh, just as a PDF. And a month later, figuring out how to get it onto, onto Kindle. And so what was it, what was the, like the sensation or how did you realize that you made your first your first dollar your first sale online do you remember like that exact moment i can't remember now exactly um how the, the pdf sales started coming in mm-hmm. I, I i think it was it was actually pretty good like, it was actually surprised it, it was surprisingly more than i expected because mm-hmm. i guess i had this huge base of people who had been reading my blog for a year or two and they gotten so mm-hmm. much value from it that they as soon as i just announced you know i had a a book for sale. People bought it, and I was I was selling yeah. it for something like thirty seven dollars too, which is crazy, um, because it was more of a guide than than just a a book. Mm-hmm. And that first month, I made six hundred dollars, and I was so excited because that was the Dude, exact a, amount I that's needed. Yeah, awesome, man. That's that's incredible. Like I can only imagine going from where you like just whole picture in my head of you like sitting all like inflamed from <laughs> getting beat up Muay Thai, like being burnout of scuba diving in like this rural area outside of Chiang Mai, and then like you know just and then be able to put that up and then realize that you made six hundred dollars in a month is just like. That's incredible. Yeah, I was so excited. And I actually thought, this is it. Like, <laughs> this is enough to sustain me. I'm just going to live in Thailand mm-hmm. forever. 600 bucks, I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> and then, like, so what happened? Like, the sales continue, like, month over month? or? 
So if they had continued at 600 a month, we wouldn't be sitting here today. I wouldn't have a podcast. I yeah. never would have met you. I never would have traveled. I would have just did that for the rest of my life. Too. Just to be perfectly honest, I, I think once yeah. you have the minimum amount of money it takes to live, you, you just get content, right? Yeah. As long as you know that that's going to continue, right? If you're, if you're scared that it's not going to continue, then you might, might continue trying to hustle to build redundancies. Yeah, actually, I think if you asked me then if I had the choice of getting, you know, let's say you offered me a thousand dollars a month for the rest of my life, but I can never have the potential to make anything else anymore. But it was mm-hmm. guaranteed that I would get a thousand a month for the rest of my life. I would have taken it. Yeah, crazy. Yeah, and, I, and I think now, even if you tell me, you know, Johnny, you're guaranteed to have ten grand a month, you know, which is a lot of money, you could basically do whatever yeah. you want for that. Mm-hmm. But you can never, ever, ever earn more. I don't think I would do it. Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, it's it's a it's a question I think a lot of people have asked themselves at some point in their life, especially getting out of college when you're just like, I don't know what to do. I'm not certain I'm going to have a job next year. You know, like how much do I really need to live? But the uncertainty goes back to like that uncertainty. Like people hate uncertainty, right? Yeah, absolutely. And I'm so glad that I had t- I took a big chance of moving the the PDF or the book off of my own site and onto Amazon because I was thinking the future. I wasn't thinking about, you know, how much I can make that month. I was thinking how can I reach a bigger audience? And I knew my blog, you know, would only have so many readers uh, or so many new readers a month that mm-hmm. the people that were going to buy my book probably most of them already bought it. I think if I had, mm-hmm. I, I in retrospect, I would have kept it exclusively on my blog for two more months mm-hmm. and really, you know, in those three months had 100% of people who were going to buy the book just buy it. But what I did was I moved it off of it onto Kindle, which the the limitation is not only are they taking 30% now, but they are also forcing you to sell the book at nine ninety nine or less. Okay, on Kindle, you can only sell it for nine ninety nine or less. Correct. So gotcha. without them taking 70%. So... Uh, that's their way of kind of forcing you to sell it for less than 10 bucks. So I, so right away, it went from a $37 book to a $10 book. So I would have to sell, you know, four times as many just to make the same amount of money. Mm-hmm. And the sales kind of were, were the same. Like it's, it, they were steady. So, you know, whether, mm-hmm. you know, whether I was selling for 37 or 999 and getting seven of it, I was, I was selling the same amount of books. So the very next mm-hmm. month, I made 200 bucks and that continued, you know, regardless of what type of marketing or promotions I would, I can try to figure out. It mm-hmm. kind of stuck at 200 bucks a month, which is nice because even today, you know, this is three years later, I'm still making $200 a month uh, online. Yeah, that's awesome. Like, you know, the books. Yeah, uh, great. But, but the problem was it wasn't enough to live. It was, mm-hmm. you know, it wasn't enough to sustain me. Even in Thailand where it's cheap, I just couldn't get by. <laughs> even, even for frugal Johnny FT living off $600. If you can live off 600 a month, surely you can live off 200 Come on. Johnny frugal dumpster diver. <laughs> yeah. You know what? You should do it. You should do like a, a social experiment and see if you can, li- like, if you can live off $200 a month for, I, for two months or something. I did do that social experiment. <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't my choice. I just, I just didn't want to write a book about it. <laughs> yeah, I didn't want anyone to know about it. It's probably the reason why I don't have any photos of me in my Best Buy polo shirt because I just don't want people to know about it. Oh, uh, we all got, we all have skeletons in our closet like that. Yeah. So, uh, so, but you know, I was very excited to start making money online. You know, and I didn't even think of it as passive income. I just thought of it as, okay, what can I do to market it? How can I make more sales? So I started meeting up with people that I would find online through, you know, back then there was no term digital nomad. You know, I would literally look for 
anyone who had like the interest of marketing or business on their couchsurfing profile or meetup.com profile, you know, just wherever I could find someone online. And I would just ask them like, hey, can I, can I take you to, you know, out for coffee or to dinner? And mm-hmm. back then I didn't have any money, but I would still, you know, offer to, to buy them, you know, their, their, you know, their, their Thai food dinner or their coffee just because they would give me the opportunity to pick their brains. And yeah. Unfortunately, most of the you know the people I met in the beginning were doing things that I wasn't interested in. You know, most of them doing things like SEO or uh, programming or something that I just it wasn't something that that kind of fit my my core competencies. It's not something I was interested mm-hmm. in. And I, but I you know I learned some tips and tricks about how to market my book better. Right? You know, some people told me like, oh, I need some you know some keywords uh, for people to find the book. I need to you know have better categories on Amazon. I need a new book cover or you know blah blah blah. And it, I maybe increased from two hundred dollars a month to two fifty, and it still wasn't enough. And luckily, one of those guys uh, was kind of Anton Crayley, who later became my mentor. Uh, took his course, AntonMethod.com, and that's when I learned how to build a, my first e-commerce store, my, my first dropshipping store. Nice, and I, I've I've heard of Anton a lot. You, you talk about him a lot as a, as a great guy and kind of a turning point in your life in terms of of how you thought and the next steps um, that you did to become come who you are today. So is that yes. like, was that the definitive moment? Like after meeting him and then, you know, going in, into the next step with him? Yeah, definitely. So, you know, up until this point, you know, that's, that's basically how I went from zero to let's say 200 bucks a month. Mm-hmm. Uh, this next part, involving him, you know, brought me from 200 bucks a month to, you know, let's say two or $3,000 a month. And then after that, there's actually a next part. So let me kind of just quickly go through yeah, through, through the, the Anton chapter, because mm-hmm. I think a lot of people know me for this because this is, you know, I talked about it so much because I was so excited. I mean, literally going from, you know, from 200 bucks a month or not, ha- you know, not having enough money to live to having three grand a month was the biggest milestone of my life. Mm-hmm. I, I would say it was a bigger milestone for me. Uh, it gave me more freedom. It gave me more opportunities. It made me happier than going from 3000 to 20 you know, plus thousand a month. Yeah. And you know, what was really exciting to me already was just to hear how you went from zero to $1 or zero to 250. Because I think that that is so ambiguous to so many people. How do I make, how do I even make my first 50 cents online? Right. And doing that, gives you the confidence to say, okay, I've done this. I figured this out. How do I scale this? How can I do it better? If I can do this once, I can do it a thousand times. And so even though you're only making $200 a month online, you kind of cracked it in a sense, right? And now you're like, now you're already in the, in the mindset of let me go out and explore how to do better. Let me meet all these people and figure out how I can make more money or, and, uh, and, and build this bigger and bigger. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, you're right. I'm glad you brought that up because Learning how to go from zero to a hundred bucks is, is, is a much better, like harder to obtain skill. I, I think that's a bigger mm-hmm. challenge for most people than skinning from there. Cause I guarantee you, if you can figure out how to make a couple hundred bucks a month, you can make, you can figure out how to make a couple thousand. If you can, if you can make a couple thousand, you can make 10,000. It's, it's not De- definitely any agree. Any yeah, harder. Definitely but agree. Multiplying zero by, you know, whatever number you want, any multiple is still zero. Mm-hmm. So yeah, very good. You know. <laughs> that, that, that's that's going to be that's going to be the quote of the episode. Yeah, absolutely. And so, if you guys want to know some more ways, I actually wrote an article called "Broke?" Question mark. Here's how to start making money online. I'll have Anthony link it in the show notes, but it's on johnnyft.com. You can just search "broke," and on there, I 
you know, what I've done is I've interviewed now over a hundred people on my podcast, the other podcast, Travel Like a Boss, on how they make money online. And I share, I think it was like four or five ways that I know for sure, because either I've done it myself or I, I have friends who have done it, who have started businesses doing these things. Um, you know, whether it's, you know, uh, you know, publishing a book or selling stuff on eBay or drop shipping or freelancing or so- something else to be able to get to that first couple hundred bucks a month. Mm-hmm. Nice. Okay. So, how do you scale from two thousand to three thousand? Uh, sorry, two hundred to three hundred, three thousand with uh, Anton. So, in his course, he taught me how to start an e-commerce store. So, it's, so dropshipping is a way where you can fulfill orders without having the inventory up front, uh, and all it is is basically getting approved by a supplier. And when you make a sale, instead of you going to your warehouse or having you know your guy at your warehouse send out the item. You just ask the manufacturer to ship it directly to your customer, and mm-hmm. you know it's it's actually a, a pretty smart system. You think about it because why would the manufacturer send me all the product and then have me warehouse it and then have me ship it again, mm-hmm. and, you know, which essentially doubles the shipping price for the customers, so they have to pay more money. You know why? You know the only reason why some manufacturers don't want to ship directly to the customer is because it's an extra step for them. Um, but there's, you know, there's plenty of people who are happy to do it because they're, they're making, they're making sales. It's like you are making sales for them. You know, it's like if someone said to me, like, you know, Johnny, I'm going to sell, you know, I want to become an authorized dealer for your book. You know, can I sell your book? And I'm like, mm-hmm. yeah, sure. You know, because if you don't sell my book, maybe I've wasted a little bit of time talking to you or training you, but it doesn't cost me anything. And if you sell a mm-hmm. hundred copies of my book and I have to, you know, spend some time sending, you know, shipping it out or, manually uh, filling the order f- for you like i'm happy to do it because it's money in my pocket i wouldn't have had yeah so i just want to clear up the difference between with regards to product sales the difference between drop shipping and affiliate because i think there's a lot of people confused out there but with an affiliate you're typically let's just say you build a website okay you have one website that actually shows the product on your site and you check out on your site that would be drop shipping correct but uh, yeah, you, you so- don't yeah yeah, go ahead. So, you explain the dropshipping. R- really easy example would be, you know, we're both using the same microphone. We're using the Audio Technica, mm-hmm. you know, two zero zero five mic because they're great mics, right? So let's say mm-hmm. we wanted to to start selling them ourselves. We're like, okay, I see the podcast market is growing. I've done my research. I think we can make Johnny's Podcast Store dot com or something. So mm-hmm. there'd be two ways to to fulfill the order once someone buys it. Right? There's a million ways to advertise it. You know, whether it's paid ads or social media, or whatever it is. But let's say someone mm-hmm. comes and they just they they buy it from us. Mm-hmm. There's two ways I can fulfill it. One would well, there's three ways. One would be I would go into my basement, <laughs> you know, grab a mic, go down mm-hmm. to the store and ship it out. You know, and that is uh, warehousing, we're having you know inventory. The second mm-hmm. way would be they click that you know buy now button, and it doesn't even stay on my site. It actually goes straight to the manufacturer's site, or mm-hmm. Amazon site, or you know, or B and H photo site. You know, whoever it is mm-hmm. that has an affiliate yep. program, and they will check out through that person's shopping cart. So mm-hmm. I actually would never even collect the money. They would get the money, mm-hmm. they get the customer, and in turn, they would see that I referred that customer uh, as an affiliate, and they would give me a cut for it. It might be five, you know, five or ten percent or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, it makes it very easy for me because I don't even have to collect the money. I don't have to send an email saying anything. I can just refer that customer. Mm-hmm. Dropshipping would be very similar, where I also don't have to inventory the item, but they would check out on my shopping cart, so they would stay on my site, they would buy it, and I would collect the money from their credit card. In, mm-hmm. And then in turn, 
I would send an email uh, or an order form to Audio Technica or whoever the manufacturer is, whoever the supplier was, and say, hey, we have an order for this. Can you send it to this address? Go ahead and bill me or charge my credit card for my wholesale price. Mm-hmm. And the way that I would make money from that would be the difference between the wholesale price that I'm getting as an authorized dealer, as as the dropshipper, I guess, uh, mm-hmm. versus the the retail price that I sold it for. Right. So the affiliate is is easier. It's there's less there's less interchanging parts, but dropshipping you have more value in your site because it looks like the customer the customer actually thinks they're buying it from your site, which builds brand value in your site and the opportunity for that customer to come back to buy things from you in the future. Yeah, 100%. I mean, if you think about it, it's it's kind of like, if you think about it, like Best Buy, they don't make anything. You know, mm-hmm. they are just carrying other people's products, but you're buying it through Best Buy. And, mm-hmm. and, and now you're kind of increasing the value of Best Buy brand name of them as a store uh, so with my stores you know let's say it was johnny's podcast store people even though they're buying a mic through audio technica technically i guess uh because they're the ones ship you know making the mic and shipping it mm-hmm. they are they really are buying the mic through me they're like they really are buying the mic you know from me johnny i just and the only difference is i'm not warehousing the microphone up front i'm taking advantage of this you know, easy ship system where mm-hmm. I'm having auto technical send it to them. Nice. Okay, cool. So I'm glad we cleared that up. If, if any of the listeners have questions about that stuff, just just drop us uh, notes in the forum online on the Boss Lounge or email us and we'll, um, and we'll also make sure we include additional links in the show notes. All right, so back to the Anton thing. For He taught you how to drop ship and his course was all about drop shipping, right? Yeah, so it was like a step-by-step course. You know, he walks you through with screen shares, like this is how you pick a niche. This is how you yeah. look for products. You check out competition, set up your your store, get approved by suppliers, get you know visitors, and, with, and then all that. How much? How much did that co- cost? And was it like a one on one, or is it a group thing? Uh, it's online, so he, I don't think he's ever done a one on one. I don't think he has the patience for that. But what he did yeah. is he just recorded all the videos, and at the time it was less than a thousand bucks. But now it's a little bit more. I think I think he still has the basic program at nine ninety seven, but he has some packages now that are like four or five thousand dollars, just because he's added a lot of uh, a lot of value to it. He's added a lot of sections, like he has a whole core, like breakaway course now on just the advertising mm-hmm. section part of it. He has another course on like actually importing your own goods if you want to go go that level um so i for most people i would just recommend if you if you're going to do it um instead of trying to figure out on yourself or you know asking a a trillion questions just go go through the basic course which is 97 and then if you have if you kind of need more help you can always upgrade to a bigger one but i i honestly think that if you guys have the hustle and drive the basic one's fine because that's all i had when i started i I didn't have him you know you know, making the templates for me or anything. That's a kind of, a, a, I mean, we talk about investing all the time, right? And investing, you know, you can, you can come up with your own definition for it, but it's basically allocating resources to make more of something, right? And if we're talking about money, it's putting money into something to make more of money. But back then you're making $200 a month and you're going to invest, you know, basically five months earnings to take a course that you don't know how, like how much you're really going to learn, right? Yeah, and even if it was two months earnings, and I think it was at the time, just it was it was just starting out. He he didn't have the the reviews yet, so he, he had he had to like he had to charge a little bit less for it. But even mm-hmm. then, it was a huge you know investment. You know, I actually remember I took his second course uh, on how to make membership sites. Uh, it was after I was already making three grand a month, and but the course was three grand or two grand or something. Mm-hmm. 
And even though I was already making that amount of money, and it was gonna, it was gonna be, I think, a little bit less than a month's um, earnings. And I already knew him as a as a mentor. I already knew he knew what he was talking about. I already knew that it was gonna have an ROI. It was still so hard for me to click that button. It was so hard for me to mm-hmm. <laughs> to, to invest that two grand into that course. And mm-hmm. I because I was already, you know, I was I became friends with him afterwards. I thought like maybe I should just email him, ask him for a discount or to let me in or something, you know. But mm-hmm. I I saw the value. In it, I knew that if I invest in it, I would actually go through the, the process and actually do the work. Versus, you know, if you get something for free, then you you know you don't really have an incentive to to work hard. So I you know I spent the the two thousand dollars on that second course, and if it, and I'm so glad it did because at that that exact time that it started, my I was with my parents in Taiwan and had all these excuses on why I couldn't make the you know, the the live calls or I couldn't um, hit my goals every week, but it forced me to just sit down and just do the work. Nice. Nice. So how long did that course take? Was it was it just like a couple days or no, uh, I think both courses were about two months each to, to go through. Oh, um, wow. Okay, wow. They're, so pretty, they're pretty intensive, yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. Okay, cool. So so take us through the progression of like when you went through those courses and then, you know, how'd you, how'd you end up applying that into your own stuff and, uh, and, and begin to scale your own, your own earnings? So that, so that first dropshipping store, I think it made about up to, uh, it, about $3,000 a month, uh, during its peak. Uh, it would fluctuate. I think the worst month was about a thousand. The best month I made over $5,000. And this, this isn't profit, uh, from that store. And how, how quickly did it take you to build that? Cause that's, that's very significant compared to how much you were making before, right? Yeah, definitely. It took me exactly two months to, to build a store and make Damn. my first sale. Yeah. So I, I still think to like, this is why I recommend dropshipping so much, even though I have other uh, streams of income now. I think for most people, if you're willing to put in two months of work to build something, it's it's a no-brainer because it's an asset that not only produces semi-passive income, it's also a saleable asset afterwards. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I mean, do you, you really believe that like dropshipping... Anyone who wants to do it now can still do it because I still see people, you know, all around these these nomad hubs like Chiang Mai, Bali, you know, pretty much everywhere I go, and people are talking about, oh, I've been I've been working at, you know, becoming an affiliate or dropshipping for six eight months, and you know, I still haven't made my first sale. Like, do you do you think that's there's something definitive that separates people who can can crack that that or not, or is is it um is it just is it more tough more uh, more difficult to get into now? So I don't think it's actually any more difficult now. If anything, it's easier now because there's all these templates now. It's it's like there's all these tools now. It's just kind of been a little bit more proven. Um, I would say what kind of separates people from being successful or not, and this is kind of just the harsh truth, is most people that uh, – if it takes you more than – let's say four months you're definitely doing something wrong like because mm-hmm. i've met most of the people who i've met who have been successful and i've now met literally hundreds so i, I know it's it wasn't just me that got lucky i've met hundreds of people now and all of them took about two months a few of them uh, a, a bit faster than that a few of them it took them longer but just two months on average and i you know i've opened a couple different stores now so i know that two month window is is the best is kind of the you know the best mm-hmm. um like target mark for people who have not invested in themselves so invested in, in the course or invested in some way to to actually learn how to do it it's kind of like mm-hmm. someone that is not you know has one foot in they're like oh you know 
I kind of want to do it or I want to do it, but I'm not really willing to to dedicate to it. And those mm-hmm. people probably wouldn't be successful with anything they do. Um, I've probably met like one person out of literally hundreds, if not thousands, who have done it on their own without taking some kind of course uh, or, you know, being, you know, being part of a community where you're kind of helping each other. So it, it is possible but for 99% of people, if they are not willing to invest a thousand bucks into a course that you know is going to potentially make you, you know, tens of thousands of dollars, it's, it kind of shows that they're not really dedicated. They're not really kind of ready for it. And then the second type of person is, you know, the ones that they know it's going to take two months, but they assume that if they, you know, if they work three days a week and they spend, you know, the afternoon going to the swimming pool or, you know, mm-hmm. going to, going up to the temple and hanging out. Um, that's that like what you do now, right? Done. Yeah, that's what I do now. <laughs> but in the beginning, during those two months, I was working my butt off. I was there for, you know, eight to 10 hours a day. I, you know, I would only take, you know, weekends off. Um, but actually on like a lot of days on Saturdays, I'd be there working as well. Uh, most people that I've seen that are not successful, like they're not working very hard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's pretty much it. Right. Hard work. Yeah. And, and I mean, I think a, a part of it too is like, if, you know, in these communities like Chiang Mai, <clears throat> when, when you were learning how to do these things, there wasn't that, that type of community of, of hustlers and doers that is there now. Like you can show up to Bali or Chiang Mai, or so many other places in the world now, and be plugged right into these networks of people that have something going on. They know they know how to make their own money. And you, if if you're a likable person, you have the right approach. You can get a lot of information from them. But if you're going to be that that person that's like, "Hey, dude, can I ask you 15 questions?" Like, you're not going to get anywhere. But it's like it's like how you approached it with different people. You couldn't even afford it, but you would call them and say, "Hey, can I take you out to dinner at your favorite place in Chiang Mai?" Or, "Hey." I know this great coffee sh- shop. I'd love to buy you an espresso and, and uh, meet with you for 10 minutes if you had time. Like taking that approach is going to get you so much further, um, you know, in, in getting information from the right people, right? Yeah, definitely. And if people are interested, I'm, I'm happy to do an episode about networking as well because mm-hmm. I know Sam is a master you know, networker with, you know, literally having a circle of friends who are multimillionaires and, you know, me being able to network with people to kind of just bring me to the next level. So I think mm-hmm. that actually might be an interesting episode. Right. All right. Yeah. So, so things are getting really interesting at this point because now you're you've you've gone through the course, you've made us drop shipping short, and now you're making over a thousand dollars a month on average. Yeah, it was it was it was definitely more than thousand. I would say on average it was two thousand or you know twenty five hundred bucks. So sick. I'm jealous right now. But, it's but more money it was, than I'm making online. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? It was a it was pretty much a full time job. Even though I I ended up automating a lot of it or hiring VAs for it, it was still especially in the beginning when I before I did that, it was definitely a full time job uh, where I would wake up every morning at 7 a.m. to kind of catch the the tail end of the U.S. business mm-hmm. day. And mm-hmm. then some days I would stay up past midnight, you know, so I can call people kind of in the in the beginning of the day. Yeah. So I I think the, one of the reasons why now I'm a little bit more reluctant to start more stores on my own without partners or without outsourcing in mind is because it is like getting another job. It's a real business. Yeah. And I think that's another thing that people don't realize is starting an e-commerce store is exactly the same as starting some kind of brick and mortar uh, business. And if you guys ever ever watched The, the Profit with Marcus Leomis, you'll mm-hmm. see how hard it is to, to run a real business, how easy it is to, you know, to get stressed out and have things go wrong. Nice. 
So what so what what year are we at now and and what's the next steps in terms of your progression in in passive income? So this was 2013 when I first started making money online and my goal which I wrote in my first book uh life well sorry it's my second book life changes quick mm-hmm. was you know the whole premise of the book was how to kind of go from being you know being broke and I think you know at the time I was like just starting making money um to trying to get $30,000 saved up at the bank and I had you know randomly picked this number because it represented being a Thai millionaire mm-hmm. you know a Thai bot millionaire and yeah. I thought if I can ever have 30 you know thousand bot in the in the bank I am set <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. I can happily retire right. in Thailand if if the whole world went to crap and I had couldn't go back to the US with with a million Thai bot. I can live in Thailand for a long time. You know, yeah. Uh, you know the funny thing, location wise, if anyone knows northern Thailand, this is the difference of Johnny having to live outside Chiang Mai, basically in the jungle, to being able to <laughs> to move into the city and and uh, and afford to be you know in Chiang Mai instead of instead of out in rural. What was it called, Hong? <laughs> It was Hangdong, but it was actually a little bit further out from there. Yeah. Okay, right. So this uh, is actually kind of where, like, episode two uh, picks up when, when, um, with your goals of becoming a, a Thai, a Thai millionaire. Yeah. So you know, I, I know this has been. Whew, I can't believe it's it's been an hour already. But if you guys want to kind of know more about that in detail, listen to episode two of Invest Like a Boss. Read one of my books. You know. Uh, Probably life changes quick will tell you more about it, but to kind of sum it up because I don't want to just leave people hanging. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, my right now, and I was I was going to calculate it because um, I haven't done it in a while just to have an accurate number. But if just off the top of my head, I have about three hundred thousand dollars in the bank now, just in in like liquid net worth. That's amazing! Congra- congratulations! Give me a virtual high five right now. Yeah, yeah, I appreciate that, buddy. You know, especially because it it was literally a thousand dollars just a couple years ago. Yeah, it's incredible. It happened really quickly, and it, it continues to get better. So, how many passive income streams do you have now? Even if it's like fifty bucks or a hundred dollars. Uh, so I lump a lot of it together. Like, let's say with affiliate marketing, uh, I even though technically those are actually all separate streams, um, because you know they come in from different sources. I kind of lump that into one. Uh, but even even then, I have about. 10 streams of passive income or at least semi-passive income that's awesome so the average millionaire has seven different streams of income all right so you're at 10 now so you're you're beating the average millionaire um and like that that drop shipping store that you sold recently Mm -hmm. right for sixty thousand dollars yep was that the first one that you built that was the first one yeah so and how, so, what was the return on investment? Obviously, like you put a lot of time into that, but actual money you would, you'd say you put in like the two thousand for the courses, and then how much money to actually like build it? How much cash did you have to put into it? Like three hundred bucks. Like it yeah. was it was all sweat equity. Right. So you put in like a total of like two thousand five hundred, and you made sixty thousand off of it. Plus plus all the income it generated for years, basically, right? Exactly. Yeah. So the ROI on that is insane. Right. So when we talk about like all, all this investing, you know, all the investing that we're talking about, how to invest our money now to make money, you know, we're all, it's like everything that everyone's doing is trying to optimize around trying to make maybe eight to 10% with, you know, risk adjusted. But when we talk about making really big returns, it's always investing in yourself, just like, you know, you, you did with this, with this site. That's a uh, 30 times, 30 times return on your investment. I think it's more than thirty times. I, I, well, I can't even do the math. The, yeah, I mean, it's, well, it's okay. So it's two thousand five hundred. You got sixty thousand out of it, plus all the all the income that you made. I mean, 
I don't know. It's yeah. if you well, added you, up all the income you made for years, then it's probably you know it's probably like a hundred times return or something. Yeah, I mean, what, like let's say it's even thirty times. I mean, that's that's three times more than the best possible scenario of your of your stocks going up. You know, uh, and it's it's a skill that you learn. It's I don't know, it's it's in general. It's just it's it definitely is the best ROI out there. You know, and yeah. You know, there's some things that you do, like aside from running, let's say, let's say you just read a book and the book costs you $10. And because of the lessons you learn in the book, you ended up either making or saving, you know, a hundred grand. I mean, that's a, what? That's a hundred times, um, ROI. Right. Incredible. So you have, so you now have 10 passive income streams. It's paying for, you know, your cruises, your lifestyle pretty much every single month. What's like, What's the next thing you want to do? I know you, we talked about property, like buying uh, apartment homes and stuff. Do you have any like immediate aspirations and in, in more revenue streams you want to build? Well, ironically, even though I said at first I, I didn't want to start more dropshipping stores, I'm actually starting ten new stores next month. Um, and what I so what I did was instead of me doing it on my own, which I didn't want to do because. To be honest, I'm, it's not that I'm lazy. I'm willing to work hard. I just want the reward to be big enough for my time now. So Mm -hmm. I thought about it. I was like, okay, I can either start another store on my own. It's going to take me, let's say, two months or three months of full-time work. And the, the benefit of it would, you know, would be, let's say, another three grand a month of profit and then another potential exit of, let's say, 60 grand uh, after a year. Mm -hmm. And I was thinking, I was like, you know what? It'd be nice, but it's not, it's not the best use of my time right now. It's not the best use of my skills because I've been through that and I don't really have the motivation to do that again. So how can I scale that? So I started thinking, I was like, you know what? I have all these people that I've helped start with their stores and they all, you know, I mean, I, I would say like they all, they all trust me because if it wasn't for me, they never would have started their store. Then they wouldn't mm-hmm. have their two grand a month in income. So now it's very easy for me to reach out to them and say, Hey, do you guys want to partner and start a store with me? Because mm-hmm. it's, it's another way for them to have another stream of income. Uh, but also with my expertise and, and my, you know, my network and my, um, my plan on how to scale this up and then sell it. So I've had, I think, I don't know, close to 100 applicants for it. It's already closed, so I'm, I'm not announcing this for people to apply or anything. But I have chosen 10 guy, ten well, ten well people uh, to come to Chiang Mai and start stores with me. So starting November 1st, sitting down for the next two months and you know really working hard again. Uh, and we're gonna, the goal is to start you know between 5 and 10 joshing stores with the sole intention of building them up as big as possible for a big exit. Dude, and, I'm already thinking we should yeah. turn this into like an investment, some type of uh, like internet investment fund. Mm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Where like the fund owns 30%, you own 30%, the partners own 30%. <laughs> uh, actually, if anyone's yeah. interested, like we talked a lot about this stuff in episode uh, 10 with Empire Flippers mm-hmm. uh, CEO, Joe, with Big Joe. That was an awesome episode. And like we, we talk about this stuff a lot, but you know, I, I think there's going to be a lot of opportunities in these types of things in the future. Just no one's really figured out how to package all these these things together. But like, I mean, what you're doing is really exciting to me. Yeah, and I think it is exciting. I think the only reason why for this, it, not that it wouldn't work, it, that we don't have the incentive, neither, neither me or the people, you know, uh, starting the stores have the mm-hmm. incentive to take money is because there's, mm-hmm. there's literally zero risk on our part of starting this, the store. Right. Um, because, yeah. you know, they right? yeah, just sweat equity. Um, mm-hmm. I think if we were going to do it with something like 
Amazon FBA where we're physically importing like let's say ten thousand dollars worth of products to test, mm-hmm. then mm-hmm. the fund would, would make sense because if you know then it wouldn't be our money um, yeah. invested and and you know it, we have an incentive to have an investor, but makes sense. through the set you know sweat equity like I, th- I think people want to keep more um, more percentage for themselves. Yeah. Um, so but, what? So you're, yeah. you're sorry. You're publishing uh, your monthly income report still, right? So what was what would your last one end up at? Um, uh, take a look. I think it was twenty six thousand. Damn. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's, so, that's so sick, man. Uh, congratulations. And yeah, what thanks. what do you think? Like, what's your projections now? We starting these ten new stores, and I guess you said it takes on average of two months to ramp them up. Um, so you know, realistically, in three months, then your your passive income should be should be really well, churning, really, right? Yeah, I mean, it's really hard to say because, especially you know, because number one, I, I'm depending on other people this time, depending on partners. Uh, mm-hmm. So who knows how many of them are gonna come through? Um, my my hope for it is that let's say at least half of them become profitable to a point where they're making let's say two grand a month, and if I'm getting uh, if I'm getting 25 percent of that, you know, that's only an extra 500 bucks uh, a month per store so mm-hmm. but i'm not really doing it for the for the monthly profit i'm doing it for the exit so the goal is yeah. at the at the end of the year or not this year but like at the end of the 12 month cycle when we've kind of proven the the track record that we can take these stores and we can flip it for 27x which is what i got from my last store yeah. and if i can flip five stores let's see i just do the math right now so 60 let's say we got sixty thousand for those as well which is what i got for the last one if i can flip five of them uh and i can get a qu- a quarter of that, so you know that's three hundred thousand dollars times point two five. Um, mm-hmm. So you know that'll give me, let's say, another seventy five grand uh, just from that, plus the money we've made per month from it. So that's like another hundred thousand uh, dollar a year income source that I wouldn't right. have had. Yeah, that's really cool. So I think after like you, you guys sell the next one, I don't know how long is it. You think it'll take to sell uh, one of these new stores? Is it like a year or two or? Uh, yeah, it takes about a year. And the reason for that is, I mean, technically you can sell it after a few months of being mm-hmm. profitable. But the reason why we want to do a year is so we have enough time to actually grow it to the, the full potential. But also mm-hmm. you get more money if you have a longer track record of showing, hey, you know, the store has been, been vetted. It's been around for a while. Yeah. So guys, I, again, I would recommend listening to episode 10 with Empire Flipper CEO if you want to learn more about how you, to buy and sell drop shipping stores and other type of internet-based stores that are profitable. And also in episode two, Johnny talks a lot more about what he does now that he's accumulated uh, so much money, how he invests that um, in you know different things like stock portfolios, etc. But obviously, this is where you make your real returns and where you you know you make your your real income. The other stuff is more um, it's passive, and and so the money's not sitting in the bank necessarily. But the returns are are not nearly as much as as you're getting out of your um, your sweet spot here. Yeah, definitely. And I I think what people can kind of really learn from this is don't focus so much about investing you know like unless you have a bunch of money already like like sam does you know just sitting around don't worry too much about investing let's say a couple hundred bucks or even you know a thousand bucks a month focus on how to really you know 100x or 30x your 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 investments and really is by investing in yourself yeah and i think that can also be you know you might not necessarily know exactly the right course to take at this very moment like like johnny came into but Take that extra money that you have now and invest it in yourself in the way of networking. Go to different events. Go to affiliate summits. Go to drop shipping uh, retreats like Johnny's going to in Hawaii. Network with people. You know, just invest in learning and in acquiring new skills. And 
those opportunities to to meet the right person and to join the right event or take the right course will come your way uh, with enough investigation. Yeah, a hundred percent. And if you guys you know want us to do an episode on networking, let us know in the in the boss lounge. Uh, thank you guys so much for all the reviews you've, you guys have been leaving on the iTunes Store. It helps us grow. I mean, we're getting what? How, how many downloads now per month? It's insane. Yeah, it's it's a lot. It's, it's nearing ten thousand, and um, we're getting lots. We have we have such an incredible cast of people coming on the show in October, November. So we're really excited. And this is this has been a lot of fun, man. We're learning a ton, and I hope. I hope the listeners are learning just as much as we are. Yeah, 100%. So thank you guys for taking the time. Go on iTunes. Leave a review of uh, Invest Like a Boss. Tell your friends about it because it's this is really the best way for us to grow. And by us growing, we're going to have more access to, to CEOs of, you know, a big companies like Betterment that we had last week. Yeah, and we'll get Johnny to continue to share more and more details so we can piggyback off his income streams. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> See all of you guys next week. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the Best Like a Boss podcast. Join our mailing list at investlikeaboss.com to get exclusive access to our insider investment portfolios and our private members forum. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. Tell your friends and leave us a review in the iTunes store. It helps more than you know. See you guys next week.